All right. Welcome to Everyday Ecclesiology, episode 28. Yay. I was listening to a podcast recently, and they said, you can stop seeing the episode now at whatever, like, eight or nine they were at. I'm like, well, we still see the episode. Maybe we'll quit that mm-hmm. in season two. I'm not sure. All right. But I am Daniel Greenhall. And I'm Desiree. And our goal in this podcast is to explore what it looks like to be faithful laymen within the local church. I rephrased it a little bit. This podcast has four segments. We just did the first one, who we are. Second up, up, next up, is what we're doing. Third is what we're learning. And fourth is what we're reading. I did not get my notes set up properly. Now we are. Okay. So, what are we doing? Um, We have an update on the podcast. Yes, we will be ending in a few episodes for summer. Like the whole summer? Well... For a break. I'm not sure when oh. season one's going to end for sure because, well, like we took last week off. Right. Which we'll get to in a minute. And we, that might have to happen again, potentially. So we'll have some time off in the summer. Yeah, for sure. Summer's going to be a little bit of time off for a season break because mm-hmm. Anchor allows me to do different seasons. And I think that can oh, be helpful. Okay. Kind of yeah. like when people take a break from school. Not that people would necessarily want to take a break from a podcast, but some people do. Sometimes it's helpful, and we definitely do. Yeah. Not because I don't like doing it. I, I definitely still like sitting down, recording, thinking about preparing episodes, that type of thing. But uh, we'll be ending in a few episodes for summer. That might be after question five of the catechism. That might be after the first doctrine within the catechism. I haven't quite decided yet because it would extend it by five episodes, ten episodes, because we do catechism every mm-hmm. other one. Or we could just do the three more episodes that I have planned slash four um, and then just do straight catechism until the end of that doctrine. I'm not entirely sure yet. I'm still figuring that out, but we'll be ending in a couple of episodes, no more than 10 mm-hmm. episodes left in the season, potentially only like three. We'll see. Um, Cause one might be like a special edition one that would just pop out at a different time. Yeah. Not a season number. But it'll be to give listeners a break if they want it, to give us a break, and to have time to line up and record guests for next season. And I have a couple already. Oh, I talked to somebody about doing an episode on how we can interpret scripture. Just a very brief, basic half hour, possibly ending up being two episodes with a nice oh, okay. break in between. Yeah. Um, how can we think about interpreting scripture? What can we do, for instance, when we're... Um, enjoying time in the word in the morning, afternoon, evening, whatever it ends up being, daily time in the word, how can we look at that and read it properly? And I don't mean how can we like make sure that the letters are in the right order and get the proper (laughs) words into our minds. Obviously, we can do that, I hope. Or you are blind and you can read it and you use Braille or something. But what should we be thinking about when we're reading? For instance, I probably shouldn't be thinking as I'm reading, okay, how can I pound this into my wife's head? That's not a good thing to be thinking <laughs> as I'm doing devotions, as uh. I typically call it in the morning. So what can what can I be thinking about? What can I be looking for in the text? How can I be sure that I'm understanding what the text is actually saying without making it all about me? It makes sense. It's the kind yeah. of questions we'd want to look at within that episode. So, excuse me, uh, that would be a good one. Uh, just a second. Sorry, had a little bit of a cough. Hopefully, you didn't hear any of that. I tried my new mute button that I found. <laughs> oh, so they literally just heard silence. Yeah, well, I didn't mute your mic. Oh, so if you sniffed okay. or anything, they'd, they'd hear it. Um, so we have one lined up that might end up being two episodes. And um, also, we will have time to finally record the intro-outro music for season two. Oh, yeah. Because we have a person willing to custom make us yeah. some intro-outro music. And I'm super excited for that because he's pretty talented with music. 
probably know who it is if you know us at all, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, and I have some microphones, plus he has a way to record. So um, we're, we're looking forward to recording that sometime, hopefully this summer or fall or spring or wherever that happens to end up. But we want to have that ready and ready to go for season two. Um, and But yet to come out in this season will be a review of Narnia and another mm-hmm. episode, possibly two, probably one on the art of neighboring because I haven't done my interview, quote unquote, because I interviewed yeah. you about it chatted with you about it because yeah. you finished it and I have not yet so we'll get back to doing the episode on when I've finished it and we'll talk through mm-hmm. it again so uh, if my you're on the reading book. Narnia now finish it up so that yes. we don't share because any spoilers that are that um episode will definitely have spoilers because it's very hard to talk about a series and what goes on yeah. in a series without spoiling anything can it be done absolutely but it's a lot more difficult than I think I'm really up for and able yeah. to do at this point especially because during every podcast, I think I yawn the equivalent of like a hundred times. I was talking about doing an episode about it without spoiling it. I know, but it's the fact that I'm so tired and yawning, I would not be able to think about not sharing spoilers. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes a lot <laughs> more sense. You look so confused. I was very confused, but you made a lot of sense there. Wow. Maybe I'm not up for it either. Um, so that's an update on where we're going with the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want to... Just so you guys know that we'll be ending for a little while. We'll announce it at that episode when it's done for the season. And we'll hopefully find a date to pick it up again. If not, we'll tell people in person, something like that. Or if you use a podcast app similar to the one that I do, then it'll just show up on your feed again when we start making season two. Yep. I don't think we have a, we don't have a Facebook page or an Instagram or anything. No. So we can't like put out an announcement that season two is coming. We might do that. I don't know if it would really be helpful. I'm not planning on it at this point. It'd be but. helpful if we ever did giveaways or merch or something. Yeah. If we ever do merch, we'll have to have a page for it. So that's what we're doing podcast-wise. But what about our episode last week that we didn't have? What happened there? Uh, Sophia was sick. There was a sickness going around at church, and we think she got it. Yeah. Not 100% sure, just because it was so delayed based off the kind of sickness it should have hit sooner. Yeah, you were but, you were feeling a little bit nauseous. She yeah. actually did get sick. Honestly, I don't know if breakfast. mine is because I was worried about getting sick. Yeah, it could have been. So, um, and so we because of sickness, we just went ahead and didn't record last week. Yeah. There was too much else going on, and I didn't want to put something else on us that we had to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're already potentially, I mean, the more stressed your body is, the easier it is for it to get sick. At least, yeah, that's true. According to my current understanding of how bodies work, which could be <laughs> completely wrong. So. We went ahead and took a break last week. So this week, we're going to be in catechism. And again, yes. we'll, we'll get there. But what else is going on? So we were getting nauseous, severe getting sick, and we're busy not getting sick. We're preparing. Yes. <laughs> you got the house it's already. It's springtime, so you had to get some stuff for the yard. Yeah. Are you excited to share what yeah. you got to spend money on? Yeah, I bought a steel FS56. I'm assuming most My people don't know what I that is. My whole life I thought it was a still. <laughs> yep, that's what I thought too until I worked out at the farm. They're like, no, it is steel or steel. 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 S-T-I-H-L. Don't is go a... stealing other people's stuff. Exactly. <laughs> or stealing, which is the other way it's pronounced. Yeah, but stealing is Stealing. <laughs> it has a stigma. Stick. Okay. <laughs> um, it's it's a weed trimmer. Uh, we had a, an FS45, I think, growing up. It was a little bit smaller engine. Um, it was fine. It had a curved shaft on it. And I am not a fan of curved shaft weed trimmers because, yes, it has it's simpler. It has fewer moving parts. I get that. There's fewer things that can break. 
but at the same time, I can't reach under some of the things that I need to be able to reach under or needed to on the farm where I worked. Mm -hmm. So on the farm, we had angle head ones that are um, give you a better angle to get under, in our case, like um, hay, hay racks and mm. um, under fences and under benches and things like that where the other trimmers just couldn't go. Yeah. And it presented a problem. So yeah. I was able to buy a new one since we got a free push mower and a free riding mower. So I had enough extra money to just say, well, we'll just buy the exact trimmer right. that I want that I'd done research on and said, this is the one that I want for the application I have. Is it the yeah. best trimmer? No. Depends on how you look at best. But it's one that should last us a good long time. Per the situation I'm in, the type of work that I'm going to be doing, the amount of times I'm going to be doing that work, and per fact making money a factor, it is the best option. Yep. If that makes sense, at least in my opinion. I'm super excited as the spring comes, especially Mm -hmm. since we just moved. I'm finding lots of flowers and exciting yard things. Treasures. Yeah. I learned about a new thing. I'm super excited about having lots of cut flowers, fresh flowers Mm. in the house and bouquets. That'll be nice. Yeah. Uh, We found a plant called frog bellies. I I don't know if that's the technical term. No, I'm sure it's not. Yeah. Kind of like toothache plant was not the technical term for this plant that we had. That is not in the opioid family, I learned. I thought it was, (laughs) but it is not. Um, But these frog bellies remind me of snapdragons. Oh, yeah. So snapdragons are a flower that you can pick off and, like, make the mouth open and close by squeezing it. It's pretty cool. Mm. Frog bellies are a thing you can pick off a leaf and kind of rub it together and then blow it up, and it looks like a frog belly expanding when you blow into it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I'm excited to play with those. My mom told me about them. I know she's describing it, but I didn't didn't understand it in the moment. Yeah. So we're discovering flowers around the house. Mm -hmm. And we're reading quite a bit more, at least in the past couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But we'll talk about that under what we're reading, which I forgot to type a note about where we're getting our reading material from but oh, yeah. we mentioned that as well yep. all right that was good to quite go. an intro yeah quite a lot of what we're doing and what the podcast will be doing so next we'll be looking at what we're learning this week which i mentioned is catechism question number four and somehow i've managed to not open it so let me do a control o and and i'm is. super nervous about reading now because last time you told me i don't read it in the way that you think Pastor Danny would No, I said you do really close. I really close, but you said you did better. Well, that's because (laughs) I've probably spent more time with Pastor Danny than you have. That's true. You probably talked with him a lot more as well. Especially during my internship. He intimidates me a little bit. Yeah, that's because he's smart. Yep. So (laughs) this week on the catechism, is yours zoomed in enough, Desiree? Yeah, I think it'll be fine. We're still under the broad heading of the doctrine of God. I think I know how to zoom in. Okay. And with that, we're asking the broad question, we're answering, asking and seeking to answer the broad question, what does the Bible teach about God? Mm-hmm. And the question specifically under that heading for this week is, how does God exist? Mm. Probably not how I would have worded that question, but... Oh, really? No. You're I, going against Pastor Danny's no, I, catechism? No, I, I appreciate his way oh, of doing okay. it. I just, at first blush, would not have said, this is the question I want to ask. I would oh, have yeah. asked, like... Why does God exist? For what purpose does God exist? Mm-hmm. Um, how is it that God can exist? But he asked, I would how does God exist? It's not a type of question that would come first to my mind. That's for sure. Correct. But it's a good one. Mm-hmm. So the answer, do you want to go ahead and read it so that they can actually understand it? Sure. Uh, God is self-existent and depends on no one and nothing else in order to exist. He was not created, will never be destroyed, and does not need anything apart from himself. 
Ooh, I want to make a comment, but we'll read the scripture first. <laughs> the scripture is Psalm 90, verse 2. Excuse me. Oh, man, the mic was too good. It picked it up. Sorry about that. Too much snack before. <laughs> yeah, I did. I had a really good sandwich that my wife made me. Psalm 90, verse 2 reads, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalm 90, verse 2. So yep. when I read that question and answer, the first thing that came to mind was actually a conversation I had back in late grade school when um, I was talking. No, no, no. That was just in high school because it was the high school locker room. And I was chatting with a guy after PE was done, physical education. And he, he was questioning. He did not believe that God could exist. Mm. He just flatly did not believe that God exists. And he was pretty smart science-wise. So I kept asking questions like, um, I at myself at the time would have of, of where did that come from because it's a logical procession of questions well where did that come from where did that come mm-hmm. from and eventually someone simply relying on natural law will have to say that something has always existed mm. which does not make sense mm-hmm. if everything always abides by natural law everything comes from something mm-hmm. and in truth everything naturally does come from something everything that abides within natural law does come from something so eventually he asked me about God and I said well God was the creator and he said where did he come from and I said he, he didn't he's always existed he's like see stuff can always exist and I was like oh stuff bummer. but it's yeah. God <laughs> and I but the answer that I didn't have mm-hmm. which would have been very helpful was yes God has always existed which proves that he's something completely different from nature mm-hmm. he is the creator of nature and natural law by definition, supernatural. So something that you're saying is natural and abides by natural law has to have come from something. There has to have been something supernatural to start what was mm-hmm. natural. Now, somebody can probably poke a hole in that somewhere, but yeah. it would have been very helpful at the time because I didn't distinguish that, yeah, exactly. He, he does break natural law. He is by definition supernatural. That's what I'm trying to say. But I didn't have the words for it at the time. So this question was reminded me of that because... It's true, and we're, as we're going to see from Scripture, that God is self-existent and depends on no one uh, in order to exist. He was not created, will never be destroyed, and does not need anything apart from himself. Mm-hmm. One way to sum that up would be he's supernatural. But we want to look at it more in depth than just supernatural. We want to see what it means and even use um, Scripture's words more than just supernatural. Right. Do you want to read the extra scriptures before we get into the explanation? Yeah, go ahead and scroll down to the bottom and you want to read the first one for some sure. reason. My mouth is having a tough time this morning. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Afternoon. It's afternoon. Oh, okay, yeah. first scripture is Exodus 3. You want to read that? Yep. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Yep, that'll be subscript one. And again, I'll put all these references in the description. I think I've gotten all of those. Um, but that's verse uh, superscript one, which we'll mention also as we go through the text. We'll be like, hey, this is reference one. And you oh, can okay. look at the description and see what it is again. Okay. Second one is First Timothy 6, verses 13 through 16, which reads, I charge you, oh, excuse me, this is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, 
I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. That's First Timothy six thirteen through 16. Okay, and then the next one, Psalm 139, 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written, every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Next up, number four, is Psalm 50, verses 9 through 13, which read, I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? That was God speaking as well in Psalm 50. Okay. And then 1 Kings 18, verses 26 through 29. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midnight midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. And lastly, reference number six is Acts 17, verses 24 and 25, which read, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. That is reference six. So now, let's delve into Pastor Danny's explanation. And I think this one might be a little bit longer, because yeah. there's quite a bit of explanation to go through. There's five pages in total we're looking at here. we, we got to get through it, too, because we have only have 20 minutes left. Well, we can go up to 45 minutes. I'm saying when we need to wake up our kid. Oh, nap. <laughs> yep. Wait, 4.30? Yeah. I thought she got up at 5. No. Oh. Okay. Well, let's get moving. <laughs> Explanation. Um, You want to grab the first little paragraph there? Sure. God exists. Okay. Good statement. We yeah, believe that. There we go. We already talked about that. All done. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> God exists. He is real, and he's a real being. We exist too, but is our existence the same as God's? Think for a moment about how you exist. You do exist. You are a living being. But how did that happen? How do you continue to be a living being? In the first three questions, we saw various ways in which God is different from us and the rest of his creation. With this question, how does God exist, we see even more how truly unique, one of a kind, God really is. Mm -hmm. So let's delve into that a little bit. God is self-existent. This is the first part of the explanation that we're going to break apart. God is self-existent. To exist means to be, to be a living being, to have life. To be self-existent means to have life 
by one's own doing. Or, as our answer puts it, self-existent means to, quote, depend on no one and nothing else in order to exist, end quote. The one and only, true and living God exists, and he does so entirely on his own. And this is true about no one and nothing else except God. One of the best ways to understand this truth about him is to see it in relation to our existence. Sure, we are relatively independent. That is, for example, for the most part, we exist without needing to be hooked up to anything. At the same time, however, we are very much dependent on other things in order to live. We need food, and the right sort of food too, water, and enough water at that, shelter, which includes the right environment, temperature, and atmosphere, and rest. Yes, we need sleep in order to live. And those are just the basics. Basics that even the strongest, most capable human being needs in order to live and keep living. In addition, we could easily consider all the other ways that demonstrate our dependence on others outside of ourselves. But God does not depend on anyone other than himself. In fact, the name he gives himself reveals this truth. He is the I am, or the self-existent one. Here's reference number one that we already read. Mm -hmm. He is the one who not only never needs to be hooked up to anything, but even more, never needs food, water, shelter, or rest, or anything else. He is perfectly and exclusively independent. And to take this a step farther, if God is the one who gives life, and he is, as the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything, then that name means he is life. He, in himself, is the very essence of existence. And here's scripture reference number two that he quotes. He doesn't actually quote it, he just references it. Okay, there was a lot packed into that, but I think he did a really good job of unpacking independent very well and explaining it so we know what he means. I looked down and for a second I thought my mic was muted for the whole thing and that was going to be awkward, but it wasn't, so we're good to go. All right, Um, so we've moved through references one and two. Um, So let's let's look at the next part. Let's just keep moving for now. Um, There's a couple things I could say, but we'll see if he addresses them later on. I can't remember. So you want to grab the next paragraph? Sure. God was not created and will never be destroyed. This is yet another way to understand God's self-existence. For sure, he has no beginning and no ending. He is eternal, remember? But as it relates to his self-existence, this means that no one or nothing made him, and no one or nothing can undo him. Mm -hmm. He has always been and will always be. Nothing comes before him and nothing will come after him because he is apart from everyone and everything. Let's think again about how this relates to us. How did you and I even get life in the first place? And how did we come into existence? It certainly wasn't by our own doing. We didn't do anything in order to become living beings. We didn't even have a say in the manner either. Further, if I were to look at my own life, not only from its beginning, when and how I was born, but also from its ending, when and how I will die, I will see that from start to finish, my entire existence ultimately depends on God. The Bible tells us that the days of our lives, the number of our years, the moment of each of our deaths is all known and ordered by God. And that is Scripture Reference 3, Psalm 139. I knew I recognized that. (laughs) I've memorized that one before. That makes sense. Continuing. Mm -hmm. But who does the same with God? No one other than God himself. He needed no one in order to be he needs no one in order to continue being, and no one can ever can or ever will be able to stop him from being forever. He is that independent. And that kind of blows my mind, which it should, because not only did he have a say in his existence, because he's always existed, mm-hmm. and he will always exist, but not only could he control and does he control his own existence, he also controls one other person's existence. 
and not just one of the person's existence, every other person's mm-hmm. existence completely. So he has the say in everything and he keeps track of it all and he has planned it all perfectly. Like it's one thing to have the brain power, to put it in our terms, the brain power to be able to plan someone's entire life. It's another thing to be able to plan someone's entire entire life and how it's going to interact with someone else's entire life. Mm-hmm. It's a whole other level of brain power to pl- be able to plan everyone's life. And not just every person, every squirrel, every acorn, this wood that's here, he knows where it came from in the entire story from the beginning of creation, what it started out as. Mm-hmm. And not only that, he did it all perfectly without error. Mm-hmm. So that's... Slightly mind-blowing and ties into some of the reading that I've been doing lately as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, not only is he not dependent on anyone else to um, determine his own existence, but he even is able to control everyone else's existence. Oh, yeah. That's my paragraph, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay. So next section. God does not need anything apart from himself. One second. Well, for some reason, my mouth is still giving me troubles, but we'll, we'll power through. We'll finish it out. So. Now reading again, God does not need anything apart from himself. We saw this in the early definition, but how about the explanation? Quite in line with what we've already discussed and hinted at here and there, if God exists in and of himself, then he certainly does not need anything except himself. He doesn't need anything to exist and he doesn't need anything, period. What is the me- What this means is that he is completely sufficient in himself and he is completely satisfied in himself. He, in himself, has everything, is everything that he could ever need or want. Everything outside of him, everything that isn't him, is unnecessary to him. I know that may sound a little harsh, or at least unsentimental, but it's true. He owns, quote, the cattle on a thousand hills, unquote. So why would we think that we could ever contribute anything to him or give him something that he needs? When God's prophet Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal, a false god, He mocked them essentially about why their God couldn't answer them. Perhaps their God was busy with or dependent on other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I appreciated his reference of the, uh, using that as a reference when we were reading through them. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul, I'm reading again. The Apostle Paul, in comparing God with all other gods, highlights very clearly how much God does not need us. The one who made the world is not served by human hands, quote, as though he needed anything, unquote. And that's reference six. We'll touch on this more in later questions, but for now, this much is true. For God to be God, the self-existent God that he is, means that when he did create, he did not do so because he was lacking or missing something. And that's important. Mm -hmm. This is me talking now. That's important. He said we'll come back to that, and we will come back to that, I'm sure, because it's very important to understand, and it's important to us for understanding us Uh, he wasn't lonely bored or afraid he didn't need to add anything to himself in order to be or stay happy fulfilled or safe we however are not god as much as we might try and we do we aren't sufficient and can't be satisfied in ourselves or in any other thing created any other created thing but we should be satisfied in god alone the one who is enough in himself how easy it is to think oh if i just had this Mm -hmm. I'd be happier if I just, if this just happened, if these circumstances happened to Mm -hmm. take place, then everything would be better. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously trying to be satisfied in things that are not God. Mm -hmm. Okay, so last paragraph. 
uh, on our verse for this question. Do you want to read that one, Desiree? Sure. Our verse for this question, Psalm 90, verse 2, reminds us that God is who he is apart from what he has made. First, he was who he was before he made anything. I'm going to go ahead and read the verse again, actually, as a reminder. No, I didn't think about that. So um, this is concerning Psalm 90, verse 2, the verse we read at the beginning, but I'm going to go ahead and read it again. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That's Psalm 90, verse 2. Now, sorry, back to About to start it, reading. since I only yeah. got through the first sentence. Our verse for this question reminds us that God is who he is apart from what he has made. First, he was who he was before he made anything. The mountains and the earth and the world did not complete him when he made them. Mm-hmm. Or, to put it another way, he is what he is without needing the things that he has made to make him be what he is. Second, who he is as God is from everlasting to everlasting, meaning he is always unaffected in who he is as God by what he has made. He remains the same God always because he is not dependent on anyone or anything. So God is more solid, sure, and steady than even the mountains themselves. This gonna, is what Before the, we finish, I'm going to go back and read one of those, <laughs> a couple of those sentences again. Yeah, that was a very hard paragraph to read yeah. you probably should have read that one it was wor- it was wordy sorry about yeah. that okay um the mountains and the earth and the world did not complete him when he made them oh did i say compete oh, no i don't I'm think sorry. so okay or to put it another way he is what he is without needing the things that he has made to make him be what he is i'll read it one more time yeah <laughs> he is what he is without needing the things that he has made to make him be what he oh, is oh okay does that make sense mm-hmm and second, who he is as God is from everlasting to everlasting, meaning he is always unaffected in who he is as God by what he has made. I'm going to put that another way. Never has what he has made affected his godness. Okay, yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. He remains the same God always because he is not dependent on anyone or anything. It's wordy, and on paper, it's, it's a lot easier to dissect. Yeah, but out reading loud, through it slowly. You poor people that aren't actually able to look I at this. I feel like I we feel should so just sorry. cut out my whole reading of the paragraph. No, no, no. It was helpful because then they can, they can, if they're like me, then they question in their mind, wait, what was that? And then listen the second time a little mm, bit better. Okay. I mean, they also have a reverse button, so they could just yeah, back up 30 true. seconds a couple of times and they'd be good. So how does he end it? This is what the Bible teaches about God. There you go. <laughs> now we've finished. Now we've finished. Mm. So that is... Uh, the end of this question, question number four, how does God exist? And the answer is he is self-existent. Mm-hmm. Short, short version. It's helpful. Yeah. yeah. And Psalm 90 verse 2 to back it up as well. All right. I got to pop out of my full screen here, pop over to what we are reading. Well, first of all, to enable reading, we just got library cards. Yeah. That's pretty nice. We found a very nice library pretty close to home here. Mm-hmm. And they're a very nice library. Not like, I mean, quality of library, yes, is pretty good. But also the people are pretty yeah. nice. I appreciate yeah. that quite a it's bit. It's not like the new Ankeny library that has tall windows and beautiful architecture and everything. It's from what from the people we know that go there, they're like, oh, yeah, that's such a good library. Yeah. Type of yeah. thing. A lot of people enjoy the library quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And specifically that library for a couple of reasons. One thing I was very surprised by in a good way is they have a, a kids section, 
and not just a kid's section, but like they have board books, like the type that kids eat when they're reading them, <laughs> like those type of books. And they had a lot of them. They had a pretty good selection of them, which may have been a shock to me simply because I was used to Faith Baptist Bible College's library, mm-hmm. which was a college kid library. So it had college age and above books like theology books and there were other stuff in there biographies and historical books and some adult magazine not like adult magazines but like (laughs) magazines that are written at a college or above reading level Mm -hmm. that type of magazine Um, theological journals for example things like that but there wasn't like a kids book section where you take your toddler in there and have them look around but this one does and a, a decently extensive at least from what I've been exposed to here in Iowa library so we were able to get library cards there and they had some books that i've started reading um one is a series called 100 cupboards it's by an author nd wilson Mm -hmm. and i'm enjoying it quite a bit right now but we'll get to that in a second actually i'll do that one now and we'll come back to the first one i had on my list so that series uh is a if i were to put it in a broad genre it would be fantasy right and in a very very niche subcategory of that would be world hopping World hopping. I don't know if it is not, but (laughs) there are multiple books that exploit that. um, Going from world to world. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like in Narnia. Yes. Okay. Which we finished. Yes. I don't know if we mentioned that. We. I don't think we had finished it as of last time. Really. I know we were on last battle, but I don't think we had finished that. Maybe not. We finished that very recently. Yep. Um, If we already said that, sorry, but we finished it. So now we're ready to jump into the final Narnia episode we're going to try and recap our thoughts on the whole series there's a couple things that I want to uh, high points things that stood out to me that I want to recap go over um, as we go through that but it'll be fun to fun to do fun to jump through if you haven't read Narnia and you don't want potential spoilers then I'll put a warning in the notes it'll be in the title but probably don't listen to that episode until mm-hmm. you've read Narnia or you're okay with spoilers down the road yeah. now we're not just going to go through and spoil the whole thing and that'll be the episode but we're not going to intentionally avoid spoiling a certain part of a book yep. because that would, as I mentioned before, be quite difficult to do. Mm-hmm. And it'll kind of be for the, hey, we finished Narnia people or yep. the, I'm never going to read it anyway, so let's hear about it. Yeah. Or the, I'm thinking about reading it. Should I actually read it? And I want to know if this is actually worth reading people. Yeah. And I'm okay with it being spoiled. So that episode's coming because we finished it and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm very glad that I read it at this stage in life. I don't, I'm not, thankful that I never read it before because that would have been fine too but I'm thankful that I've read it at this stage in life that I am now especially preparing for what books can our daughter read yeah I'm also reading a book called notes from the tilt a whirl just because I'm reading it does not mean I recommend it yet Uh, I'm still working my way through it I only have like half a chapter left but that doesn't mean that I'm saying you should go read this book that means it's something I'm reading that I've been exposed to that I want to understand this author Um, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily good because the author does come from quite a different theological standpoint Mm -hmm. than I do. And this is in some ways a theological book, Mm -hmm. in many ways, a worldview book. Mm -hmm. The subtitle is Wide-Eyed Wonder at God's Spoken World. Um, So it's very much a a worldview, his worldview sometimes. But that doesn't mean that I'm saying you should read this book. I just want to make that very clear. But I have appreciated several things about it that being said um and then by that same author i'm reading hundred cupboards i mentioned yeah, this kind of i'm bouncing back and forth to that author yeah lately. well because i like, you already talked about hundred cupboards yeah well i like oh. understanding an author 
That's why mm-hmm. I started reading Narnia because I wanted to understand a little bit of who C.S. Lewis was. Okay. And even with that, maybe how his theology changed over time. Because saying that this person believed this might be true, but have they believed it for their entire life? Well, no. So at what point did they start believing this? How did their theology morph and change over time? What did they believe at different stages? Not just because people aren't just static. Nations Mm -hmm. aren't just static. Saying, oh, this became a Catholic nation, nation in this year. Does that mean one morning people woke up and were like, all right, we're all Catholic? No, it doesn't actually happen like that with people because people are much more complicated than that. So I'm enjoying understanding a little bit of this author's theology and his writing style and his character, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And Hundred Cupboards has drawn me in as a series, not Mm -hmm. in a bad way, but as I finished the first one and I'm on to over halfway through the second one within like a week. No, I don't even think it's been a week yet. Mm, What day did we go? I don't know, but you've just been reading the whole time. It was Tuesday. So it's been a week. Okay, it's been a week. It'll be a week this evening. So Mm. um, I'm reading through that. I'm reading through book two. And I want to mention whether or not I'd recommend the series at the end. So far, it seems pretty good. But there are also some red flags I would throw up to make people aware of as well. Okay. Um, And you're reading something. I'm reading through the Wing Feather Saga. By? Andrew Peterson. That's correct. Peterson. 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 And that's from? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the Stall Cups. Yeah. Particularly Katie Stall Cup, who asked us if we wanted it because they upgraded their version and gave Mm -hmm. us their paperbacks. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to reading them through as well. That'll be my second series that I'm reading through. I. Or third. I think I was expecting more of them. And I think a lot of times. What do you mean expecting more quantity of books or better quality of books? Not even that. Okay. Maybe I just wasn't expecting what it is, not necessarily expecting more. Because expecting especially different? as I noted, as I started reading them, I'm like, oh, this is definitely geared toward a younger crowd, like oh, maybe okay. 12-year-olds. I don't know. And so that took me by surprise. And I'm wondering if a lot of people, the people that I've heard say, oh, I just love that series, mm-hmm. are the ones that read it at a younger age mm-hmm. or love the author mm-hmm. because he does some other stuff. Yeah. Too, and they're like, "Oh, I love his humor and that," which I enjoy the humor. It's it's unique, and I laugh at those kind of yeah. things. But it just wasn't quite was what I was expecting. So I'm excited to see if by the end of the series, I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's super fun." Okay. Type of thing, but yeah. we'll see. I should be clear about Hundred Cupboards and Narnia as well. That they're definitely geared toward a younger audience, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that they're unhelpful for mm-hmm. older audiences. But it is helpful to know that, oh, this is this is written for younger kids, which is part of the reason why we're reading through this stuff. We're right. trying to prepare a library of stuff that we can throw at Sophia. <laughs> Not literally, but if she turns into a ferocious reader, we want to be able to say, hey, here is good quality food that you can feed yourself. Right. Especially in literature terms. The truths throughout Wingfeather Saga are pretty obvious to me i mean as a child they might not be as obvious but mm-hmm. i'm like oh this is speaking towards bravery loving yeah. one another sacrifice and if we note now the things that we appreciate and agree with and reinforce in a book and the things that we don't agree with the things that we would want to chat about with them about mm-hmm. and the things that maybe they'll pick up on is actually wrong in a book 
then that's helpful to know going into it when we hand them the book and they finish it and they go, oh, I love this book. Okay, what did you like about it? Mm -hmm. Was there anything you didn't like about it? And we'll know, we'll have a heads up on some things that hopefully they mentioned in each of those categories. And that can lead to better conversations with what is good and what is helpful, what is not only commendable morally, but what is what makes that literature high quality? What makes that literature better than Magic Treehouse? Yeah. For example. Like, why why is this writing style better? And help them understand, be able to put their fingers on, oh, this is what makes it more dynamic, more real. And this is what makes this morally good. This is what makes this morally bad. Both of those categories of questions we want to be able to pitch to them and have a heads up on what might be coming anyway. So, yep. yes, these are aimed at younger audiences. We know that. <laughs> but they are helpful. And I do still enjoy reading them some. Yep. All right. Well, that is a 40-minute podcast. Woo-wee. That was pretty good. Well, and we didn't even have a lot of time before of things that we edit out. No, no. So. And um, I didn't stop to talk as much as I wanted to on the catechism, yeah, which I find myself doing pretty quick because it's about a thousand words that yeah. he writes pretty much every week. So yep. getting through it is pretty good. There's, and it's easier because there's not a lot that I disagree with. So far, there's nothing that I disagree with. So it makes it a lot easier. But we're able to go through that. Hopefully it is edifying for you. And hopefully you are looking forward to season two when it comes and the rest of season one please stay for the rest of season one <laughs> all right until then um just like desiree and i try to do keep serving or start serving within your local churches bye, bye.